Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Climbing the Pocket Mondays. We had a disastrous game at Lambeau Field last night. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but season's over. We're going to start looking towards the future. Yeah, Dave and I are here to break down what the Vikings' needs are and what um, class or sorry, what positions in these draft classes are strong to be able to help fix those needs. So stick around and let's turn Monday first. The show features Tyler Fornis and Deshaun Vaughn as they talk your Minnesota Vikings with you, the fans. Boom! Welcome back to Climbing the Pocket Mondays, where we turn your Mondays purple. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and it is just me and Dave today, where we are going to have some fun burying the Minnesota Vikings and talking about how positive the future can be. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm better than Deshaun. For those that are wondering, Deshaun is not here because he's got buried in snow, and the snow took out his Wi-Fi, actually his internet provider, and he has no signal. He's got nothing. That's why he's not here tonight, and you get my lovely face instead. Wait, we we appreciate your lovely face, Dave, and we are going to have some fun tonight because the Vikings absolutely stunk at Lambeau Field, and there are a lot of different reasons for it, and we can go into those all night. But let's just put it this way. The Zimmer era officially comes to an end this upcoming Sunday. I really don't think it's a debate at this point. I well, know officially um, our very Monday, but we'll see. Yep. Our, it our it could happen that, Anderson. you know, the final whistle blows and you see both teams' staffs, you know, in press releases <laughs> being released. Yeah, um, they mentioned that on today's Purple Insider podcast that uh, – there might be something like dropped uh, in the press box with the press release. Cause I know Mike Tice, uh, he had a very similar departure. Um, and uh, that was, he was literally fired in the, I don't know what you call it. The, the sta- like the, well, he was the, still in the stadium. Yes. It was like where the players come out. The, mm-hmm. I don't, I, for some reason, my brain is farting and I don't know what that's called, but well, that's where he was fired in the, in the tunnel. He was fired mm-hmm. in the tunnel. Um, and it was, Hey, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, something happen to Mike Zimmer, but we also, um, uh, as fans don't necessarily think about little things when it comes to these players getting fired. Mike Zimmer has been here eight years. There isn't an emotional attachment from ownership, from the, from the staff, from the players uh, to Mike Zimmer, whether you like the man, like the coach or not, there is this attachment to um, to Mike Zimmer, and there's a a built up respect. So I don't think because uh, Red McCombs, like Z- Ziggy Wolf, did not have an emotional attachment to Mike Tice when he fired. Mm-hmm. Um, could he have handled it better? Yeah, probably. Give him at least the press conference to be like, right. hey, and then talk to him, and be like, yeah, you're fired. But I don't think that he's going to be fired unceremoniously like that. I think he is going to be fired within 24 hours of the game. I think when we wake up next Monday morning, Mike Zimmer will not be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And that's probably for the best because it feels like, Dave, that Zimmer was a fixer. He fixed this franchise and where it was from 2010 through 2013. And he came in and he set an example. He said, hey, we are going to change this. We're He flipped the 32nd ranked defense to 11th in one season and made it the top scoring and yardage defense in 2017. That man fixed the culture. He fixed expectations. And unfortunately, his time has run out. But it's 
we are incredibly thankful to have had Mike Zimmer for when we did, because without him, who knows where this team is at? If we would have made the wrong hire again, like this team is probably like a five and 11 football team still. And Mike Zimmer fixed that. And we should be forever grateful for him. Unfortunately, his time's run out. Um, And the game last night was really signified it. And I haven't really heard anybody talk about this. So I'm going to Dave and I want your opinion. It felt like. Hold on. I want to correct Freddie real quick. Freddie, it's not five. Okay. He's guaranteed $8 million next year and most of the salary after that year uh, in the year two. Yeah. So. Oh, hey, we have our, our favorite Michigan fan in the chat, Drew Bunting. Hey, Drew, how does it feel to know your Vikings and your Wolverines got smoked in the same weekend? It hurts, my man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, here's my question for you, Dave. Uh, did it feel that you like the Vikings quit on Mike Zimmer yesterday? Because I'm watching the game, and it was either at the end of the second quarter or in the middle of the third quarter where I looked at my cousin and my buddy Thor, who was over, and I just said, it feels like this team has quit on it. Like, there just wasn't any passion. That A.J. Dillon touchdown run, it didn't feel like anybody wanted to tackle. It just felt like they were they were there. They were bodies. Well, tackling um, this what did you has think? been atrocious. That has been a No, it, it wasn't that Thorum was bad. It was that effort well, was bad. There's a lot of tackling up high, and there's a lot of reaching and trying to just whiff at a guy rather than hitting a guy. And a lot of that's come from the rule changes, believe it or not, of what's legal and what's not, and they're trying to coach him that you do the bear hug thing and bring him to the ground that way. It's not like uh, um, Sendejo sending body missiles at you. It's yeah. – um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I saw the defense got tired in the second half after the fourth or fifth, three and out. Um, they got tired, but they still looked like they were trying. The offense looked just like uh, bubbling, uh, what is it, you know, clowns falling out of a, uh, you know, one of those miniature cars type deal. They were just disorganized, <laughs> horrible all over the place. They couldn't complete passes. They couldn't do anything. The play calling was trash on that third and whatever it was short. And you saw JJ open. And um, I think Ozzy was open and Mannion threw to CJ ham on the sideline and it got blocked out and they was asked afterwards, and he goes, no, that was the play call. The primary receiver was C.J. Ham. So I went to C.J. Ham. Well, why do you do that? Right? At, you know, it was at the sticks. It was third and short, and he's throwing at the sticks. But you had two wide receivers open. And it's stuff like that that just drives me bananas. The whole play calling last night was garbage. Um, yep. Anybody could do it better. Mike Zimmer came out with his old refrain, we need to run more. Well, technically, that was true. They only ran, what, nine times, nine or ten times the whole game, but they got mm-hmm. themselves so far behind that they had to switch and throw passes. And it was when you call bad plays that don't work, you throw those out of the book and you go to the next one. You don't repeat stuff that doesn't work. And it seemed last night that they were repeating stuff that didn't work. And to me, Who's played? Who's coached? Obviously not at that level. That drives me absolute bananas. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's over. I mean, they sealed their fate. It's over. We have one more meaningless game. We can get in to talk about a little bit about two. Um, Mike Zimmer in his press conference today wants to have everybody back, even the five that went on COVID today. If he can get all his starters back, he's playing his starters and. I'm like, why? No. Um, I understand his thought process behind it, but as a team, I want no. Throw out all the rookies and the scrubs. And Can you imagine the balls. Vikings? How Vikings would it be for Zimmer to play all the starters, Kirk Cousins to like rip his ACL on half, and then you can't trade him in the offseason? Like, oh, very I, I, well. I feel like, like I'm still not convinced that Kirk Cousins is going to be available for the game we know that cdc rules have changed from 10 days to five days but he's unvaccinated and he got symptoms so there's a chance that he still has symptoms on sunday and is not going to be able to play well Uh, i I know they switched the no symptoms to five days but i thought symptomatic it was supposed to be 10 
But either way, I hope I hope he's not. Mm-hmm. I hope if anything, he goes, <coughs> Coach, sorry, I can't play. Um, protecting yeah. his investment so he doesn't go out there and tear an ACL or whatever because he wants money next year. Now, next year is guaranteed for him, so he may not care. I'll get my $45 million elsewhere um, mm-hmm. or next year and then you know just rehab and then worry about the year following year. Or he may say, no, I'm looking for a trade because Vikings will pay me $10 million, and then whatever team I'm going to is guaranteeing me more of that because they're going to want to extend me. So I'm going to make more than the $35 million I get from this season plus, and I'll be on a better team. I'll be away from Mike Zimmer or whatever his mm-hmm. thought process is. And yeah. by all means, go. I'll help you pack. Hey, absolutely. I will help all of them pack. And there's been a lot of discussion uh, who's going to leave and who's going to stay. Um, I believe Kirk and uh, Zimmer are gone. Uh, I I just don't see a situation where either one of them stays wow. unless you get a coach. Unless you hire Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan's like, I love Kirk Cousins. Then he, I guess maybe you keep him. But I, I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're both gone. I think we're going to see a true rebuild. This team is going to go through a couple years where they're going to rebuild. I wouldn't be shocked, um, and this is pure speculation, uh, for them to try trading Adam Thielen, Ben Roth. Or sorry, I've got the Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> final game on my monitor here. Um, Eric Kendricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they flipped Daniel Hunter and they try to get a Khalil Mack like Hall for him or Harrison um, Smith. All big Harrison, names that have been talked about as possible mm-hmm. get some. Uh, you know, trade stuff to rebuild. And it and it who knows? It it could happen. It you might want to do it. That's one of the reasons I want to lose Sunday. Is it Yep. You know, that changes our draft position by a few spots. Well that few spots may be the difference between getting somebody who's quality and somebody who's fool's gold. And now, if Spielman's drafting, I worry about that. Hopefully, we have a new GM as well, and then we find those quality guys, and it's the quality drafts, not just the quantity drafts, and uh, we get guys that can actually produce. And then next year won't be so great because it'll be a new new system, new team, new everything's going to be new, and you don't expect it, and it depends how we do it. The quarterback position how that is answered, whether it be Cousins, whether it be a trade for somebody, whether it be Mont, whether it be another draft choice, we don't know. And who knows? They may stick with Mond and see how he does, and then the next year go after the top you know, QB in the draft because we're going to suck. So mm-hmm. who knows? There's going to be tons of holes to fit. Not so much on the offense, but especially absolutely. On the There's going to be holes to fill everywhere because we genuinely don't know what this uh, this team is going to be doing. Um, Jerome, I uh, I'll kind of point this out. Um, Eric Kendricks is a middle linebacker, but in like traditionally, your you have your middle linebacker and your either weaker strong side linebacker nickel situations. Neither one of them truly plays middle. They're both playing coverage. So he has he already kind of does do some outside linebacker stuff, but in a general four three defense, he's the perfect middle linebacker. So I don't think moving him would necessarily be a great idea. Uh, Drew asks uh, uh, for both of our opinions on what we would take round one. Um, Drew, that's that's a loaded question, and it's something that we're going to really talk about here uh, moving forward the rest of the day because it if everything that they do in the draft really hinges on what they do early on in the offseason. Do they trade Kirk Cousins? Do they start trading guys like Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, the aging guys who are making a lot of money who could bring back some value in a trade? What are you going to do with those guys? Um, in a vacuum right now, if the only guy we really move on from is Kirk Cousins, um, I'm taking quarterback, and I want to go Carson Strong or Malik Willis. Uh, I think anybody who has followed my uh, my activity on Twitter knows how much I love Carson Strong. He is big like Ben Roethlisberger, has an absolute piss missile for an arm, and 
He maneuvers the pocket incredibly well like Dan Marino used to do. Like He's not mobile. He's not going to run around and scramble. But what he does is he slides in the pocket. He had a really bad knee injury that has to be cleared uh, because he could barely move. But because of that, he learned how to avoid contact in the pocket. He learned how to move forward, side to side, and back, just avoiding pressure enough so his receivers can get open downfield. I love the guy. And Malik Willis, he is kind of like Lamar Jackson. He's got incredible talent, but he needs to learn how to play quarterback still. And Lamar Jackson's done a fantastic job of refining his ability to just be a quarterback and not just a phenomenal athlete. And Willis has a lot of work to do, but he can be incredibly great. So that's probably the direction I go. Um, Edge is a fantastic position as well. A lot of really good edge players, especially at the top. George Karloftis out of Purdue is a guy I'll be keeping my eye on in this process. He spends an hour a day working with an MMA coach on his hands. That's why his hands are some of the best I've ever seen from a college prospect. There's a lot of directions we can go, but and we're going to talk more about what our needs are projected out to be and where the draft is strong. As of right now, Dave, what are you thinking? Where do you want to see this team go in the first round? Well, there's two things that I believe strongly will create a winning team and get us to the promised land. One, we need to find that quarterback. Right. As I've said, I've studied all the Super Bowls and all of them except for two, possibly three, had that quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And you need that guy, the guy that's a pro bowler, the guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer. You hope he's the one that's going to be the Hall of Famer. Um, but the pro bowler, the guy that can pick up the team on his back, the one that can actually lead, the one that has swagger, that people are willing to follow. Right, not stand at the other end of the bench away from him. And you need that guy. Whether he's great or not, you need that guy. You want him to be very, very good. You want him to be able to do that. Do we have that person on the squad? We know it isn't Kirk. Um, We know it isn't Mannion either. Um, He doesn't have the skill level. And Mond is still an unknown and doubtful from, from everything I've heard. But I also believe in a whole team approach. You've got to be able to, if you want to go far in the playoffs, you've got to have top 10 offenses and defenses at the same time, right? And preferably top fives. So you need both defense and offensive power. Now, if next year there's no good QB prospect in the draft at our position in the first round, but there is a corner or edge, and I agree with Dan on this one. Those are probably the two most important on the defense, positions on Mm -hmm. the defense value-wise, then I would go that route. Um, We can always use defensive if there's some stud defensive linemen. But corner and edge have a higher priority for me than does that defensive lineman. And And then quarterback on the other side. And eventually, we're going to draft wide receiver. We're going to draft um, more defensive linemen. Hopefully, we'll draft a decent center or we'll pick one up at free agency. And free agency plays in all this, too. Where are we going to target with what little money we do free up for free agents that can come in as established veterans, leaders that know the game, are not garbage or not, you know, tail end Charlie's working for vet minimums that can actually mm-hmm. do something and benefit the team. Those you could fill in those spots. Maybe you find a center that does that or, or a guard or whatever it is, right? And you build up that way and then delay the quarterback situation, patch it for this year. 2022 and delay the finding the one in the draft till 2023 when that draft class is looking even better. Now, I believe every draft class has its stars and every draft class has its busts, but some years are better than others. And some years they, the evaluators said, Oh man, this is a great class in this. And they all stink. And others, they say, Hey, there isn't anybody there. And then two or three actually turn out to be good. So, 
it's a roll of dice, but whole team concept, and then eventually within the first two years, find that quarterback. That's my route. You know, that's not necessarily a bad idea. Um, I think uh, you can uh, do it a couple different ways. You can kind of do it the way you're talking about, or you can do the Buffalo Bills model, which I think the Bills models work incredibly well for them. Mm-hmm. They got the quarterback year two, bulked up the offensive line, signed four guys in free agency, at, added draft picks. Year three, they got Stephon Diggs. And they made sure they got him that bona fide number one weapon. They've also drafted Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, signed Emmanuel Sanders. So they really put weapons around Allen to help him succeed. And they continued to draft offensive linemen and defensive linemen to make sure that the trenches were really established. Kind of reminds me uh, or how the the Bills have uh, built up their roster with Sean uh, McDermott. I really think it's similar to what Brad Childress did. They bulked up the interior, got some weapons, and they got their quarterback. Uh, obviously it's working out a little bit better for the Bills quarterback-wise and the uh, Brad Childers era Vikings. But the idea is yeah, the same. Pro- and Brad Childers' like approach that. was correct. It's just that his coaching and management styles got irritating real fast. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Um, uh, Dan in the chat uh, asked if we would or wouldn't you look to improve the O-line uh, as the highest priority? That's a really good question. I don't know. The Vikings have spent so much of their resources trying to improve the O-line, and there's it's still an issue. At, at a certain point, you just kind of roll with what you have and really try to prioritize other things on the team when the offensive line is just something that you haven't been able to kind of figure out, or do you keep throwing resources at it? Like the Vikings, since 2017, in 2017, they gave Riley Reef and uh, Mike Remmers a total of uh, they each got five-year deals, total of like eighty-five million dollars, and then they drafted Drew Sumia in the fourth round. They in twenty seventeen they also sorry twenty eighteen they drafted Sumia in the fourth round. Twenty seventeen Pat Elfline, twenty eighteen Brian O'Neill second round, twenty nineteen Garrett Bradbury first round, twenty twenty Ezra Cleveland second round, twenty twenty one Darisaw first round, Davis third round. At a certain point, you're spending too much of your resources on one thing and failing to fix it. Just admit, you can't scout offensive linemen. That's okay. Go get free agents. Guys who have already proven themselves that you know what they're going to be in the National Football League and pay them. I am team guards don't matter. But at a certain point, if you are if you can't even find average guard play, just overpay somebody and fix it. Like, I absolutely hate it. But if you're going to have a rookie quarterback, it's okay to pay a Joe Tooney $15 million a year. Because you have a rookie quarterback salary. It's just kind of the cost-benefit analysis that you have to deal with. And that's one of the things with Kirk Cousins. He fails to elevate you in so many different ways. And one of them is help the offensive line. And because he's failed to actually elevate the offensive line play and help them, you haven't been able to sign a guy like Joe Tooney. Drew, you're just asking for me to um, leave the the stream right now go pour myself like four fingers of bourbon and come back and just start pounding uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan with a follow-up does that uh, the failure of finding quality after divine fallen Spielman and then is sure, sure he keeps his job after this year so that's an interesting question how much of this is on Spielman how much of this is on Zimmer setting the parameters for what he wants because they really talked about uh, uh, on day one of the draft when they selected Darisaw that they were now starting to prioritize bigger offensive linemen who can anchor and sacrificing a little bit of that that athleticism that they crave because it wasn't working. Outside of O'Neal, it hasn't been working at all. Darisaw, it seems right now to be a hit, but we also know what happened with Matt Khalil in the Pro Bowl's first year, and then just a uh, That was attitude. Uh, and that's something you hope you find in scouting too. Um, yeah. But they've missed on those. I Yes, you need strong trenches, both sides of the ball. Whether All right. You, do you want to take the philosophy that you want to build up a super offense and have all your eggs in the basket on the offense and then patchwork a defense and then hope that your offense outscores everybody, right? The Denny Green approach, okay? 
Yeah. It can work, but it's rare that it works. Just like yep. the Mike Zimmer philosophy is, I'm going to build this kick-ass defense, and then I'm going to use young guys and cheap linemen and stuff like that and hope the offense scores enough points that they score at least 21 points and my guys hold them to 17 and we win games that way. That worked for a little while. And then we got Kirk Cousins and that failed. Okay? So those work, but they're lesser. They have a smaller chance of hitting than does the whole team approach improve everything at once. Um, And the defense... I popped up my chart before. I do not think I have it handy at this time. Of actually, I do. Let's pop this up real quick so you can see. The red players here are free agents as of the end of this year. And I know that's hard to see. It's a spreadsheet and it's small. Now, top half of that that's block. That's a lot of starters. Top of half of that block is offense, bottom half is defense. Special teams is hidden below the border. Okay? Look at that defense. There is a shit ton of red on the defense. And most of them are starters. You're going to lose half your starters to free agency. That is going to be hard to replace in a single season. Yes. But you're going to have to do that at some point. You need corners. You need... Somebody competent playing edge. Hopefully out on the other side of Hunter. But the Hunter's a question. Do we give him that massive bonus and keep him, or do we let him go and try to trade him? Um, There's all sorts of ways. We need interior defensive line. We know Harrison Smith is getting older. We know... The linebackers. Yes, we have Eric Kendricks, but Barr's going to be gone. And Barr did make a difference this season when he played. Yes. It's it's hard. And you can even ask Drew about how uh, his boy Blake Lynch did yesterday. Because we talked about it before the game. Blake Lynch was coming in to, sub, to take over. And uh, he started out the game great with the first tackle. And then he went and disappeared. Mm-hmm. You can't, you've got to find quality people on that side of the ball as well. And there's more quality yeah. people, more of a base on the offense right now that will be there next year. Darisaw, O'Neal, uh, Ezra Cleveland on the line. Bradbury, question mark. I want I don't want Bradbury. Uh, I wonder what he'd look like as an H-back, but I don't want Bradbury. Um, and the right guard, we need a right guard. But we have wide receivers. We have, of course, Justin Jefferson, one of the best in the league. And I think he's getting very dejected because of quarterback play and play calling and all sorts of other things that's going on. You have Adam Thielen, who I think is going to have a long tenured type uh, run with the Vikings. Eventually, he'll become the wide receiver three, just good possession guy. Uh, And I like what. Osborne has done and how he's developed, and it's only his second year, right? So I'm cool with that. We'll probably pick up another one, but I'm cool with that. The holes, though, the massive holes are on the defense. You've got to do something to at least patch those to get through next season. And then the question is, who are we hiring? What's their philosophy? Is it bang out on the offense, bang out on the defense, which I doubt because we just had that? Or is it the whole team approach? And I'd rather see the whole team approach take two years to build. And I think that's all it would take. And I think we'd be very much competitive again. Now, anybody in the comments have a different approach that they would like to see happen? You know what? I kind of wish we could do, Dave, go back to 1994 and get this guy, Warren Moon. Let's bring back the most underrated quarterback in the history of the National Football League to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, that let's be honest, that's a that's not going to happen. I wish it would. I Warren Moon's my favorite football player of all time. I, I don't know if Warren Moon's tell, my age. Yeah. But, so what is he like 35, 40? No. <laughs> he's he's close to 60. <laughs> um I, I 
Hey, let, Dave, let's let's do this because we are going to talk about um, what the needs for the Vikings are and how that translates to the NFL draft. Do me a favor. Let's pull up that spreadsheet one more time and let's kind of use that visual as uh, Dan appreciated us uh, posting that uh, to kind of talk about this, uh, uh, what the needs are for this Minnesota Vikings team. Right now, they are $11 million over the cap for the 2022 offseason. Mm-hmm. And on the offensive side of the football, they got to figure out the right guard spot. It's evident that Mason Cole is not it. Ole Udo might be with it, a full offseason being able to train at guard, but probably isn't. And Wyatt Davis not even playing an offensive snap is incredibly damning on where he's at. And it feels like that's a failed pick, or at least admitted as like, hey, this was a bad pick by the both the front office and the coaching staff. I'm not now you can call talk- it a bust yet because of the coaching staff yeah. and because it's only one year in. But you expect third rounders yeah. to contribute some way in the mm-hmm. some way in that first mm-hmm. year. I agree. It is really tough uh, to completely call him a bust at this point. But he wasn't drafted as a project. He was drafted as a guy that they expected him to come in and play day one. And the fact that he hasn't even really played a snap, he's played a couple special team snaps, it's incredibly damning on a lot of different elements. So let's keep taking a look at the offense. We're going to need a backup quarterback because at this point, Kellen Mond isn't it. Um, that Mike Zimmer told us that last night in the most Mike Zimmer way ever, um, just absolutely burying the young kid. But he had a lot of struggles in college, and I'm not surprised that he's bad. Um, I didn't think he was very good. He never really improved in college. How can you expect him to improve in the NFL? But to kind of continue to move on, wide receiver and tight end become sneaky needs because, Dave, um, you didn't highlight him, but Tyler Conklin's a free agent after this year. Oh, uh, no, and I then, i got to fix that. Yep. Same with Ellison and Chris Herndon. Um, so, basically, oh. you're losing – three of your top four tight ends with Irv Smith coming off of a meniscus injury should be a hundred percent next year. Hell, if the Vikings were to have made a Super Bowl run, there's an outside chance that he would have been able to participate in the playoffs based on when he had his surgery. I thought we saw defense. A, um, yeah. Ellison for two years. That's possible. We can look that up. That's really uh, not at that big of a deal. Cause at best he's going to be like your tight end three or four. Well, I was enjoying him. When he was out there, um, mm-hmm. quite heavily, I thought he was doing a decent job. It's As, just neck roll football, Dave. Neck well, roll and I football. love neck roll football and guys yeah. that can block and get nasty and then mean and in the in the deal. Let's see, Ellison. I've got the website up. Boom, loading. He is – he's under contract through 2022. Weird. I don't know. That's weird that they would sign him like that to a two-year deal. But whatever. $895,000. All right. So we can kind of talk about the positions. Wide receiver also becomes a sneaky need for the Vikings with Adam Thielen going into his age 33 season. Um, and he's on an expensive contract. He might be a situation where, like, Golden Tate, where you dump him for uh, some draft capital, a day-two pick. Uh, obviously, you don't want to trade a guy like Thielen, who's been excellent for the community. He's a phenomenal story, a Minnesota kid living his dream. But from a business perspective, it's it would be smart to really consider moving on from Adam Thielen. So that makes receiver a sneaky need. And even so, K.J. Osborne, like, you're going to have to think about him. Is he really going to be a guy you can trust as a true wide receiver, too? And then if you move on from dealing, you still need a wide receiver three. D.D. Westbrook's not coming back, probably. Amir Smith-Marset, who knows if he's going to be any good? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Ryan. We don't want D.D. Um, so <laughs> all of a sudden, and then what happens if the new regime uh, really believes running backs don't matter, and then they decide to trade Dalvin Cook? Alexander Madison, in my opinion, is not good. Uh, his vision is atrocious. It's, it's only slightly better than Troy Williamson's. I, like at least Williamson. Could I think it's find a little bit it. better. Madison had some good catches last night for Mannion. Catches, sure, but he can't find a hole to save his life. That's a problem. Longwu is still yeah, incredibly raw position. Yeah. <laughs> so then, all of a sudden, running back is now a position of need. 
Um, so just on the offensive side of the football, quarterback like is a middling class. We it's just nobody feels like a sure thing. Like last year, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Everybody's talking like these guys are the future. They're top picks, um, and this class doesn't have that. Everybody has a massive question mark. Kenny Pickett is going to be 24 years old and it will have tested with the smallest hands in the history of the combine if they measure at the projected eight and a quarter inches. For comparison, Dante Culpepper's small hands were nine and a half. Um, Carson Strong isn't super mobile, has a big medical question mark with that knee. Uh, Malik Willis, who doesn't know how to play within structure and is just all, all raw talent. Um, you have Matt Corral has a little bit of injury concerns, had some issues with turnovers last year, had two games with five plus interceptions. So you have the quarterback class with a bunch of question marks. Running back is not very strong. If you move on from Dalvin cook, there's a couple decent guys that are probably going to go mid second round, but they're not great. Daniel Falele. Hey, we love a good thick six here on climbing the pocket Mondays. <laughs> thick sixes are beautiful, Dan, and that should be played on every Minnesota B-roll for the history of time. Um, wide receivers, a phenomenal class again. Um, you have probably upwards of six or seven guys who could potentially go round one. Vikings probably won't go that route unless they decide to hire an air raid uh, head coach who's really going to prioritize three, four, five wide receivers. Then you could really uh, argue that being a top need for this team. Tight end, this is probably the deepest class I've ever seen. There is no Kyle Pitts. There is a lot of guys who are really good. Guys like in the Pat Fryermuth range, we're going to be second, third-round picks. Uh, offensive line, tackle's really good. Interior is a bunch of question marks. So if you can get Tyler Linderbaum, who could have a Quentin Nelson-type impact, you're looking at a potentially changed offensive line just by adding one guy, just the way Quentin Nelson did with the Colts in 2018. He's not Quentin Nelson, but he can have that kind of impact with how he plays, how dominant and physical and nasty he is. He makes people better around him because he can handle more. And that's what Quentin Nelson brought to the Colts. Dan asked another question. Is there a free agent uh, quarterback uh, coming that piques your interest at all? Well, I, you know what? I'm going to kind of go meme here, Dave. Because if you move on from Kirk Cousins and you need a bridge quarterback, guess who we should sign? His name is Teddy Bridgewater. Let's let's bring it full circle. Because Teddy Bridgewater would be a great mentor to a young quarterback. He's not great himself, but he's not going to lose you football games. He's just gonna he's gonna be able to weather the storm, help the young guy develop, and then when he's ready, he takes over. Uh, plus, I think the entire state loves Teddy Bridgewater. Then oh, not everybody. It would it would be but, well. I, I they're 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 grumps, Dave. They're all grumps. I mean, there's possibility. Um, there's Carr, Dave, um, out of Las Vegas. I don't know if he's up or not. Um, there's others that could be available that we know. You have Russell Wilson. You don't know if Aaron Rodgers, not that he would be traded to Minnesota. Um. Deshaun Watson, if he clears his legal stuff, I would love to have it. We don't know who's available yet. That's the problem with that question. Yeah, and it, it's going to be tough to um, to know who's going to be truly available. But I'll tell you, Russell Wilson's projected to be available, Dave. That would be a really interesting um, option. You could potentially trade Kirk Cousins to Seattle. And bring back Russell Wilson. So then Seattle has a quarterback. Hey, you know, it's it's not going to be the first, second, or third time it's happened. Ken right. Stabler and Dan Pastorini uh, in the 70s swapped from uh, the Oilers to the Raiders. Um, just in the last decade, the Rams and Eagles, Nick Foles and Sam Bradford. It's happened before. Mm-hmm. So we have a we have precedent. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what the Vikings do quarterback. But let's uh let's throw that graphic back up, Dave, because let's uh go to the defense. Um, Drew, we'll get to linebacker because there is one from Wisconsin that declared today that I think would be a fantastic addition to this defense. Um, Edge, Edge is going to be a huge need. DJ Wanham, look, he's got sack numbers, but he's not good. He's got like one pass rush move, and he can not win on the outside to save his life. 
Everson Griffin is probably not coming back just due to the fact of his age and kind of where the Vikings are going to continue to move forward. Um, defensive tackle, you don't have a three technique. You have a bunch of nose tackles. Jalen Twyman, um, he got shot in the offseason. He seems to be healing really well. Who knows what we're going to get from him ever, and he was a sixth-round pick, mainly because he decided to bulk up from his playing weight at 285 to 315, thinking that was a good idea. He looked like a like a steroided-out Teletubby, and it was just hilarious to watch. Um, linebacker is going to be a big need. Anthony Barr is going to be gone, and then Nick Vigil is going to be gone. And all of a sudden, Eric Hendricks is your only guy. So that's going to be a position to really watch for as far as improving. Uh, and then corner. Again, corner is a big need. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander, both free agents. Chris Boyd is bad. The fact that Harrison's hand is not playing over Chris Boyd is rough. Cam Dantzler, is he good? I don't know. Yeah, He's, he'll, he'll have... Um, He'll have, uh, whatchamacallit, he'll have good games, and then he'll just stink. Dan, James Lynch should be playing three technique, but it feels like he's playing more nose tackle, and I can be corrected on that because I am I am not perfect. Uh, and then safety, Xavier Woods is gone. Uh, Cam Bynum looks to be able to step up in that position, so I don't think that's a very big need. But when you look at edge, edge is probably the deepest position in this draft. It's phenomenal. You have upwards of seven guys who could go in the first round. You have three to four guys who could go top ten. And there, there are some raw talents you can get on day two that I think would be incredibly enticing. Zach Harrison out of Ohio State has every tool in the book. He has also got perfect size. He can dip. He's got strength. But he's very raw and inconsistent. Minnesota's Boye Mafe is going to test like Daniil Hunter. And it shows on the field. Also inconsistent. He needs time. That could be a nice little, uh, hey, we're just going to throw you out on pass rushing downs early, and you're going to figure out how to be a defensive end long term. Linebacker, the guy I was talking about, Drew, Leo Chanel, linebacker out of Wisconsin, 115 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, both led the team. And as a linebacker, when he missed the first two games due to COVID 19, second on the team with eight sacks. The guy can do a little bit of everything in that Jim Leonard defense, rush the passer, play coverage. Uh, fill gaps, that could be a really, really good pick. Uh, a colleague of mine, Dante Colinelli, uh, he is the Big Ten scout for Blue Chip Scouting. He's also their scouting director. He loves Chanel, and he is a very intelligent mind when it comes to the draft, and I trust his word. He thinks he, he's going to give him a first-round grade, so that's a guy to really watch out for. Um, corner. Corner is also very deep. There's five, six guys who could go round one. Some good talent available day two. Corner would be feel like an annoying pick, but if Zimmer's not the head coach, maybe it's not annoying anymore because, you know, it's just not, hey, I'm just going to draft a corner to appease Mike Zimmer. You can never have enough corners in this league. Just look at what has happened to us when our corners have gotten hurt. Mm -hmm. It's gone pretty bad. So there is a lot of talent in this draft to be able to kind of add. Um, and it's going to be really exciting to see how the initial part of this offseason plays out, Dave. Oh, it is. And it's it's the most important part. Who's released staff-wise? Mike Zimmer, is Spielman released? Is he moved out of a GM position and hopefully doesn't affect anything anymore? Who who gets who are their replacements? And then as we get closer into March, does Kirk Cousins get traded? And it's determining who's here and what their philosophies are will better direct us on where to start looking for talent, what type of talent to go forth. You know, are we switching mm -hmm. from the zone read offense to a more heavy offense? You know, then we might know we're aiming for more alignment. It's, it's who we don't know yet, but we do know that there will be change and it will be different. It'll be due. It's a new shiny toy. Let's play with it until we break it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, th there's a, a lot of different elements um, to kind of talk about with this team. Um, yes, Drew, I want to hear your opinion on uh, Chanel once you get a chance to uh, get a look at him. Um, yes, Dan, um, Brandon Smith. Um, if you keep a Zimmer-style 4-3 defense, Brandon Smith could be an Anthony Barr-type replacement. Um, 
Drew, the offense needs to be more aggressive. And I think trading Kirk Cousins is going to be a step in the right direction. I I want new to, offensive uh, coordinator talk. that knows what he's doing is going to be mm-hmm. a great step in that direction. Quang, yep. you're right. It is all started up front. We kind of talked about that at a certain point. Uh, when do you just stop throwing resources at the offensive line because it's not working? Um, you can win with this offensive line, but you have to have a quarterback that has some guts that shows some balls in throwing the football. Um, and it's going to be really tough. Dan, I'm with you. I'm very looking forward to this offseason. The Skull Search series uh, that I started here last year is moving to the Vikings wire, and I am going to be starting watching the film tomorrow. We are going to have some fun. I do take requests, so if you have anybody you want me to write about, let me know. But um, CTP Mondays is going to start moving towards mock draft mm-hmm. Yep, and then we'll kind of discuss how that series is going to move forward uh, because – this year, it is not just me and Dave. It is me, Dave, and Deshaun. So we're going to we're gonna get together, and we're going to make this thing great for you all winter long. But, Dave, let's finish this off by talking about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and where could he go, and what kind of draft capital uh, do you think could come back? And I, I look at uh, around the league. I think um, one place – where he could go is a team. Or he could go to both teams playing tonight, the Browns and the Steelers. The Steelers just need a capable quarterback to push the ball downfield. They are voted at receiver. If they resign James Washington, they'll have Washington, Claypool, and they also have Deontay Johnson, who's my guy, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris. You get Kirk and a couple decent offensive linemen uh, to add to what they already have. The Steelers could be a top five offense in football. And, I like that idea, but you're also going to – Kirk's going to be a drop-back quarterback. So well, Jerome says nobody's given us a first for Kirk. I I disagree with I disagree. You, Jerome. I think we're looking like at a first and a third. Depending. I, 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 compl- I agree completely with that, Dave. The, the Vikings will get the same return, if not a little bit better, than Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, without Drew Locke, got a first and a third-round pick. The second first-round pick came when they took the Jared Goff contract off the Rams' books. I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. I think people have this uh, twisted perception that Matt Stafford is better than Kirk Cousins because Matt Stafford can throw the ball a long way, and he was the number one overall pick. Kirk Cousins is neither of those things. Kirk has a good arm, but he doesn't have this piss-missile rocket that Matt Stafford does. Kirk is a little too conservative. Stafford makes bad plays. Five turnovers in the last two games, including some awful, awful interceptions. Like stuff that rookies throw. Stuff that you throw on Madden when you're down to your buddy 15 points with two minutes left. Like I'm just going to – like the whole chucking and fucking mentality. It feels like that's what Matthew Stafford was doing, and he's just not good. Uh, But there's there's a real bias – based on draft position, even this far into their careers. Right. Um, I think he gets a first and a third. And teams that I think could go for him, Browns, Steelers, Broncos, Texans. Texans are a wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dolphins maybe, because Tua is incredibly up and down, and they may need to save their job um, because that what they did with those draft picks has not been working out. And a guy like Kirk Cousins could come in and stabilize and save their jobs while they try and figure out another plan. Um, what do you think, Dave? Where do you where else do you see him being able to go? Well, it depends what happens in Vegas. It depends. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of where else he may go. There's Jacksonville, maybe. I no, not Jacksonville. Disregard that. Um, yeah, I think he'll go to Miami is the Florida team I'm thinking of. The Saints, there's been talk there. However, will he get along with the coach? Um, yeah, Drew just said, what about the Saints? Sean Payton doesn't like wussies for quarterbacks. And he, from what I understand, is awful demanding on his quarterbacks. And how do you mm-hmm. think? Kirk's going to handle something like that. Now he, and with Sean Payton, Sean Payton knows what he's talking about. Uh, if Mike Zimmer gets in Kirk's face, it's Mike Zimmer's the defensive guy, and Kirk told him, 
you know, I'm not listening to you when we sign him. There's a difference there. Jerome, I know you said he's worth a third and a fourth. Look at, he very well may be, we may value him that way. But look at the value of higher end free agent or traded quarterbacks over the last few years. You're getting at least one first, if not multiple firsts for those guys. It's it's the market. Um, it's like going out to buy a dozen roses now, and you may pay 20 bucks come uh, Valentine's Day, and you got to buy it for your wife, you're going to pay 60 It just happens to be the market at the time, and that's where it gets inflated. Yeah. But Couldn't agree I, more. I don't care where he goes. I just want him to go. Yes, please. Thank you. Just get rid of him. Uh, he can go to USFL. There's... I don't care. <laughs> Bye. Tra- trade him to the former Donald Trump organization, the USFL. I'm very excited to see what the USFL is going to become. There has been a lot of buzz around it, mainly because you don't have a, an incredible hype promoter like uh, the XFL had with Vince McMahon. But the USFL should at least be some decent football, and I will never say no to football in April. That sounds fantastic. Um, lastly, uh, Dave, let's uh, talk about something that Drew asked. Who do you want to be the head coach of this team moving forward? Who are your top candidates? I like uh, what's his name down in the Bucks, Brian Leftwich. Oh, Byron Leftwich. Yes, he Byron Leftwich holds the bowl record for with passing yards of 577, the 2001 GMAC Bowl. That you remember that iconic shot of him throwing a pass in the pocket and his offensive lineman carrying him to the next snap. Yes. That was that game. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I I think I mean the bigger roll of the dice is Kellen Moore, but he is so young and relatively inexperienced. And yeah, Dallas is Dallas is ups and downs. They should have won yesterday, and they look like garbage versus killing Washington. Um, however, killing Washington is us, you know, is the equivalent of the Packers playing us yesterday. So mm-hmm. th- those are probably my two favorite out of the whole bunch. Yeah, um, I I like both of those. Um, they were included in my article for the Vikings Wire, breaking down um, uh, different uh, head coaching candidates. I wrote that uh, two months ago, but it still holds true today. Um, yeah, you can check that out on my Twitter feed at the Real Forno. It's probably a few down, but I did just retweet it. Um, Kellen Moore, I think, is an interesting one because he is so young. You're basically going to bet that he's going to turn out to be. Uh, in the ilk of a Sean McVay where he's going to be, he's a real offensive genius and you're going to get in on the ground floor. Sometimes getting on the ground floor is a good thing. Uh, The Steelers got in on the ground floor with Mike Tomlin, who had one year as a coordinator and he's been their head coach for 15, 16 years. He has never had a team with a losing record. Um, But sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's Lane Giffen who Um, flamed out hard. But you know what? This team's probably going to be bad for a year or two. So or you can take Bill the loss Belichick of the brand new head coach. Cleveland. Well, that I will defend Bill Belichick in Cleveland because they were like a Super Bowl contender going into that '95 season. But then Art Modell moving the and now he's moving the team in Week Four. Absolutely destroyed that year. Um, so, but he did get another chance, which is good, mm-hmm. and he deserved another chance. And look, he's he became the greatest coach ever. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that Except I thought winning was interesting percentage. is Eric That belongs to only to John Madden. Well, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, the other one that's interesting is Eric Bieniemy. Uh, you can Google Bieniemy's um, off-field stuff. Um, we won't get into it because there's a lot of semantics and details that we don't want to get wrong. But there are, there are real issues that he's had to deal with in his past, including as a coach. Most of it at uh, the University of Colorado, where he was a star running back and then became a coordinator and the head coach. That's why he hasn't gotten a job yet, because of those issues. And well, there was issues with him when he was with the Vikings, too. 
yep. That he's got a, a bevy of issues. Uh, he if seems I remember to correctly, it, it included a DWI, but it also includes how he deals with people. Mm-hmm. And the will uh, there at that time. Um, he isn't. He has not been impressive to uh, um, what's call it interviews uh, ownership. Right, and he has not interviewed well. That was the same thing they said about Mike Zimmer, though. You know, prior to him getting the Vikings job. So, mm-hmm. not the other stuff. That he doesn't interview well. That he comes across as gruff and too blunt. Yeah. Um, you know, let's kind of wrap this up with a couple more candidates. Um, Drew brings up Bowles. I think Bowles deserves another shot in the NFL. Uh, he had those Jets teams playing definitely better than what they were. Um, and... He, he had them uh, borderline playoff teams, and it, it was the Jets with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Jets were bad, and Bowles, I think, got the shaft a little bit. Um, I don't know if this team will want to bring in another defensive coordinator. Quang, uh, I don't think Romo's going to be a head coach. He's making, like, $20 million to sit in a booth three hours a week and, and call talk. football games. Yeah, yeah, he's there's almost no stress. He's not going to leave for a high-stress opportunity that's going to pay, like, half as much. Um, I, I like the idea. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, lastly, I think Doug Peterson needs to be talked about because he's going to be rumored for a lot of jobs. I don't know if Doug Peterson's any good as a head coach or if Howie Roseman really screwed him because that team kind of fell off a cliff after 2017. Uh, that's, but he did just come out with one. his article thesis on how to bring up a quarterback and build your team around a quarterback. And that was... Mm-hmm. Perfect timing for him going into the coaching market. So, yeah, at least uh, he's that. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a really fun off season. And next week, we're going to know for sure if Mike Zimmer is gone or not. Dave, you have anything to say to the people before we sign off for the evening? Tomorrow night, we have in the huddle. I have already wrangled the services of Doctor Eric Eager. And you know, if you followed him this season on Twitter, he's making friends all over the league. Uh, Today, it was with Buffalo, but he's done it many times with the Minnesota Vikings, which is one of his two teams that he favors. And it looks to be a good one to get insights from the good doctor on what went wrong this season, and he'll have them in detail. So join us. Tomorrow night for In the Huddle as we talk what went wrong with the Vikings this season. Oh, I I love uh, Eric's work. And if you uh, have not had an opportunity to check out Eric's work in PFF, he's phenomenal. Um, whenever he writes something, it's gonna it has to be must-read for you. Uh, Eric does a fantastic job. And he does his absolute best to just let the data speak for itself. He will praise what needs to be praised, and he will bury what needs to be buried, and I can't wait to hear him bury the Minnesota Vikings tomorrow because it's it's going to be must-watch uh, mm-hmm. television, all right? So next week we'll be back, and it's going to be 100% offseason. No talking about the Bears. No talking about anything else. We are projecting forward. We're going to be doing a lot of mock drafts. We're going to be talking a lot of position groups. We're going to be doing a lot of things that to talk about what this team is going to be moving forward. <laughs> Dave, see your beard frozen in Lambeau Field. Oh, Let's I'd go. love it. I'd love it. Hey, I had no problem with that. I'd love it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, we'll see. Now, I, I, yeah. if you all ha- missed it, look on the YouTube page. We posted a new feature that we're going to try to run almost daily. We're not there yet. But we're going to try to, especially in the offseason, called Vikings Daily Sit Rep. The whole idea is to bring some aggregated news of what happened in the last 24 hours in the world of Vikings. And put that together in an entertaining format, relatively short, anywhere from two to five minutes. This morning's was 10 or 12 minutes long. um, Because Jason wanted to talk about what happened in the press conference last night. But we're going to be do that so you can look forward to that in the future. We're not daily now because of the normal regular scheduled programming. It will become when we move into our off-seasons 
scheduled programming. That will become more regular. I look forward to everybody getting feedback from you. Um, it only helps us get better. And for hopefully you enjoy that. So with that, what do we say, Tyler? From Dave, from myself, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we appreciate every one of you for sticking with us, especially as we transition to Mock Draft Mondays. And this will always be the place where we turn your Monday purple. Have a great night, everybody, and skull. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pop.